So this morning, part seven, uh, this, this series is kind of morphing as we're going. Um, it'll be done soon, but the idea of living the life within us, um, instead of giving people a list of, okay, here's all the stuff you must do in order to be a good Christian, which is, I, I was well-trained in that, and I had great lists, and I had other lists given to me, and I, oh, that's a good one. I'll add that to my list and re-preach it and all that. And it, Man, the to-do list is awful. I remember seeing a, a small flyer from a church down the States, south, really south, so you can imagine where this is going. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the list of what you need to do and what you can't do, what you have to wear and not wear. Uh, women had to wear certain kinds of clothes with a certain measurement. Men had certain clothes they had to wear with a certain haircut. Uh, you couldn't go to movies. You couldn't, all the fun stuff you couldn't do. Anyway, um, the list was insane, and I have a copy of it. I should share it sometime. But they're so focused on this list, if you want to be part of that church, here's what you have to do and behave like. And it's like, man, you're so focused on the list, you can't look at Jesus. That's really important to remember. I jokingly say we don't have any rules here, but then, in all honesty, we have church bylaws and stuff because we're a, a registered charity, right? We have some stuff we have to have, but we don't have rules per se, because we're trying to encourage everyone to learn to listen to the Spirit of Christ in you. Let the Holy Spirit guide and direct you. So how do we live out this life within us? And when I'm saying the life, I'm talking about Jesus is your life. How do we let Jesus out? Christ is in you and he wants out. We've joked about that for years and I think it's still funny. But last, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about thinking patterns that, have, that hinder us. And so today we're going to talk about some actions that will enhance healthy thinking patterns. But let's recap last time. Oops, nope. I keep forgetting I have to ponder things. Starting even, like, as soon as I, this afternoon, I may see a thought that triggers me. And this is my collection of, of things that made me ponder this week. They may, not, may or may not be connected to the sermon. So... Richard Rohr, I love this. He writes, the Christ mystery is much bigger than Christianity as an organized religion. If we don't understand this, Christians will have little ability to make friends with, build bridges to, understand or respect other religions or the planet. Jesus did not come to create a country club or a tribe of people who could say, we're in and you're out. We've got the truth and you don't. Jesus came to reveal something that was true everywhere for everyone and all the time. Think that through for a moment. The only reason this hits me so hard is because of what I used to think. And no one pointed out the subtleties and now it's blatant. <laughs> now I see us versus them. You know, like how many churches are in this town? A lot. You know, and so is one church more right than the other? Well, some think so. Growing up, we're Baptist. Everybody else is going to hell. Like, that was easy. You know, we're the only church. <laughs> some Catholic churches believe that. Some Presbyterian church, some, you name it. And like, when you have that attitude, you've just created a barrier. And Christ is in all, in all of us. 
And his light shines through. Now, not everybody sees that light. So to realize, hey, we can celebrate being Hope Fellowship without worrying we're more right than another one or we're wrong or whatever. We, we can embrace and high-five other people that are believers in whatever church they go to. Who cares? We're one body. And who says you have to only go to one church? Seriously. Oh, yeah, some constitution somewhere in bylaw, but not this one. <laughs> it's very funny when you start to think through some of the rules we grew up with and how terrible and um, exclusive they are. And in all honesty, when you start to look at all these different topics of theology, uh, Jesse and I talked about this uh, a while back, it zooms down to this thing called God is love. And if God is love, until we get that, our conversations won't matter too much. Because otherwise we're pitting each other and arguing, trying to be more right, point out other people's faults. But when it's God is love, and he lives in us and wants to love, then it's about being loving, rather than being right. If you have a chance to be nice or right, choose nice. I'm not just saying that as a Canadian. <laughs> anyway, this, this really triggered me in a good way. Next. Maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you. So you can be who you're meant to be in the first place. And I find this really true as I continue to renovate my faith. As I unpack and find um, stuff in my faith that either has to get tossed or, man, it's getting rusty and it's not working like I thought. And I have to revisit it and realize, oh my goodness, this is built in. Somebody put this chair together the wrong way. You know, it's like Ikea stuff. You got these extra parts. <laughs> but in my faith, I've had to unlearn things. Unlearning is much harder than learning sometimes. Because when we're learning, if you have stuff to unlearn that's hindering you from seeing something really great, you've got this bias already set up. Until that bias is destroyed, you're not ready to hear some of this most amazing good news. I think the love of God's getting bigger and better all the time. Not that it is literally getting bigger and better, but it's getting bigger and better to me. Honestly, like the more I grow in grace, I'm seeing a wider love of God. Like I thought first when I learned my identity in Christ, wow, which is still amazing, okay? Like, wow, wow, wow. Say it backwards, wow. Like, it's amazing. So I thought I'd hit, like, the, I was on the hill. I had arrived. And then more things came into my path. And it's like, <gasps> what? And it's like I came through this gate. Actually, my illustration was, um, do you ever see these uh, kind of curtains, the bead curtains? I don't see them much anymore, but I remember delivering newspapers and some houses had them in the kitchen and you get through the room by <laughs> really noisy. Well, it was like I had this curtain of, that opened up to more of the love of God and I saw a universe. It's like, <gasps> how am I ever gonna explain this? Because I had stuff I could explain, but now I'm entering and I'm in a place of, <laughs> right. I can't explain it all. I can just encourage people to explore the mystery with me. And I think that's what Hope Fellowship offers. And everybody here, you're part of that. Because you're learning with me. You're teaching me as well. 
We haven't arrived. There isn't an arrival. So as we unlearn things, we discover who we really are. That's why I like that one. Oh, the Pope. Yes, it's the Pope. And this guy's. I, I, for all the complaints people have against the Catholics, stop it. Uh, some are legit, blah, blah, blah. But this Pope has said some pretty profound things. And when you hear the, the small sliver of truth that comes out, sometimes they explode. I have a dogmatic certainty that God is in every person's life. God is in everyone's life. Even the life of a person has been, if the life of the person has been a disaster, even if, it's, if it is destroyed by vices, drugs, or anything else, God is in this person's life. I thought, thank you for saying that from a Catholic lens. Because Christ does hold all things together, which means Christ is connected to everything and everyone. There is no such thing as separation. We just sang that in the song what a wonderful name. One of the, I think Baxter Kruger says that one of the greatest hindrances to the Christian faith, and he had a couple big pillars, but the number one, the biggest, one of the biggest is the idea of separation. And almost every single evangelism little booklet thingy says, it starts off with really good news like this. Listen to this. Imagine reading this. You're a sinner and are separated by God. That's really good. Good news. I know. We do, we do, well, the bad news is uh, um, uh, you're not in and I, I am in. That's, that's the impression of the booklets. It's terrible. There's no separation. The light of Christ shines through all things, all people. But even Jesus said, if the light that is in you, if that light is darkness to you, oh my goodness, how great is that darkness? But the light's still there, objectively. I love this from Henry Nouwen. To pray, to listen to the voice of the one who calls us the beloved is to learn that voice excludes no one. (laughs) Very similar to what the Pope just said. I love this. This is good self-talk. Um... I am God's child, I am God's beloved, I am God's possession, I am God's workmanship, I am God's temple, I am God's vessel, I am God's witness, I am God's ambassador, I am God's treasure, I am God's instrument, I am God's chosen one, I am God's beloved, I am God's heritage, I am God's precious one. Whenever you feel you're not worthy, this is something important to repeat. And by the way, this idea of witness is not talking about the doing. Because church taught us that witnessing means going and telling people about Jesus. No. That's not what witness is. Witness is you are an observer. You are watching. You are are the living presence of God. Very different than having to do something. I love that. And since we're talking about thoughts, some suggestions. When you're feeling this is too much, try perhaps, if you haven't thought of this yet, what do I need? What's causing this? This is too much, because some people are at a breaking point. They don't know what to do. Well, what do I need? Am I behind? What can I celebrate? I messed up. What did I learn? This isn't working. Well, what tweak can I try? 
There is a better way to think through some of these negative thoughts that hit us. And they, some people it hits hard and fast and it becomes a spin cycle. Henry Nouwen had a prayer. I want to share it with you. This is a beautiful prayer. Today, dear Lord, today I thought of the words of Vince Van Gogh. It is true there is an ebb and flow, but the sea remains the sea. You are the sea. Although I experience many ups and downs in my emotions and often feel great shifts and changes in my inner life, you remain the same. Your sameness is not the sameness of a rock, but the sameness of a faithful lover. Out of your love I came to life. By your love I am sustained, and to your love I am always called back. There are days of sadness and days of joy. There are feelings of guilt and feelings of gratitude. There are moments of failure and moments of success. But all of them are embraced by your unwavering love. Oh, Lord, sea of love and goodness, let me not fear too much the storms and the winds of my daily life. Let me know there is ebb and flow, but the sea remains the sea. Amen. That was beautiful. Maybe that's all you needed to hear today. Who knows? <laughs> Does that mean I can stop now? <laughs> All right, let's get into, that was my week of pondering. <laughs> yeah. All right, living this life. So last time we talked about thinking patterns that hinder us. And so I just want to recap them real quick. Six patterns of thinking that hinder a healthy mind. We talked about cynical negative thinking, intuitive psychic thinking, extremist self-absorbed thinking, self-depreciating thinking, emotionally driven thinking, and fantasy thinking. All of these are about fear and worry. It's the root of all this. Worry is an expression of faith in God's absence or lack of concern. It's the firstborn son of fear, negative faith. But I want to get into today three powerful actions that will empower and enhance healthy thinking patterns. And I think I'm going to let the scripture speak. There's a lot that's going to come out of this. You don't have to take notes. I can email you the, the PowerPoint. You just got to ask. Um, but I want to begin with this foundation for doing. The doing, because there are things we have to do, okay? I know in my journey of grace, the word do is a bad word because it's all about Jesus, what he did. And, and so the idea of work and effort was like frowned on. It's like it, it was a very unhealthy balance in the, in the grace community that I was in. And it was just, I just didn't catch it. I, did, I bought the lingo, I bought into it. And then I realized, wait a minute, there's much doing in, in grace. It's just the source, who, who the source of our doing is. We don't do it in order to become or to get approval from God. We do because it's the expression of his love in us. Very different. Swimming in a lake doesn't make you a fish, but if you are a fish, you will swim. How does that work for us? Well, Christ is in you. Christ is going to let his life live out of you. It's just going to happen. You get to be a co-participant. I love that. When we live by the grace of Christ in us, we will do many things. There's much to it. It's not just sitting around waiting. Oh, God will bring me a job. God will bring me this. God, no, that's a very unhealthy perspective on 
not doing. We will put effort into what we do. There's stories of Jesus being really tired. There's Paul exhausted. <coughs> they're tired from all the stuff they're doing. There's much doing, but it was done with great joy. It wasn't in order to chuck off a to-do list. We will trust the indwelling Christ to guide and equip us. Trust Jesus as your trier. <laughs> it's not like Yoda. There's no trier. There's only do. You know? Well, we can have fun with that and trust that Jesus is, our, is the one who's the source of all of our trying. We do this by the faith of Christ, and this is really important because we've been led to believe that we must have faith in Christ, and it's about our faith. But we have really unpacked this well over the years. In Galatians 2.20, it says, um, the original languages say we don't live by faith in the Son of God, which is most of our translations will say that. Instead, the correct translation is we live by the faith of the Son of God. Or the Young's literal translation says we live by Son of God faith. It's not even our own. Suddenly, oh, okay, I can do this. Yes, you can. It's not about you trying to self-evaluate how's my faith and have a mirror up and make sure you have just the right faith. And Not at all. That's been overrated. And yet, we have the faith of Christ in us. So the first thing of the big three is diligently guard your thoughts. This is something we must do and something our culture is not good at. Facebook is proof and evidence of that. All social media, Twitter is proof. People don't do this. <laughs> you know, when you see some of the dumb arguments and the fighting that goes on and the stuff you just let in your head, you know, Diligently guard your thoughts. This is the big one today. Wake up. You want to be woke? There you go. This is, this, is a, this is a woke for you, okay? Guard your thoughts. This is something you actually have to do. Many people who struggle with difficulty and anxiety, not all, because some of it's very clinical, but there are some folks who you just let everything come at you and let it in. You allow yourself to be exposed to toxic thinking constantly without shutting it off. This work comes from a place of rest. We work from rest. That's different. How do you think Jesus did all that he did? He worked from the place of resting in his heavenly father. We work from resting in Christ. Romans 12, 2, I'm going to blitz you with a bunch of translations because this stuff, this is going to be really good. Just so you hear it from different lenses, and you've heard this one before. Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. This is probably the biggest key in living out the life of Christ. God will change us. How? By changing the way we think. And I believe, in all honesty, it begins with how we think about God. Your concept of God determines your journey. It really does. Everyone lives their lives based on their concept of who they think God is. If you think God is Allah, you'll live like that. If you think your God is Buddha, you'll think like that. If you think God doesn't exist, you'll live like that. If you think God's angry and ticked off and you got to tiptoe around him, you're going to live like it. If you believe God is love, pure love, and has done everything already, has fully embraced you, you're going to live an embraced life. New American Standard Bible. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the version I grew up memorizing. 
as a kid, yeah, that really made sense, right? Watch this. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. That's from the message. Romans, from the Passion Translation, it says, Be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Reform. Reformation <coughs> of how you think. The Mirror Translation, I love this one. Become acquainted with perfection. Ha. Soak that in for just a moment. Become acquainted with perfection. To accommodate yourself to the delight and good pleasure of him will transform your thoughts afresh from within. Do you see where the emphasis is? How many times do we give a list of people, you need to change. I mean, change this, stop that, do this, blah, blah, blah. It's backwards. Here's where the change happens. This is from the First Nations translation. Becoming a true human being. I put that in there because that's their title. I thought, wow, that's a, that's a really good title, a subtitle. And I put in verse 1 as well. So then, my sacred family members, because Creator has shown us such mercy and kindness, I now call on you to offer your whole beings, heart, mind, and strength to the Great Spirit as a living sacrifice. Do this in a sacred and spiritual manner that will make his heart glad. And here's the verse two that we just read a bunch of translations from. Do not permit the ways of this world to mold and shape you. Instead, let creator change you from the inside out. In the way a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, he will do this by giving you a new way of thinking seeing and walking. <laughs> How do you like that? I'm really liking the First Nations version. I really am. But I love the collection of hearing it from these different lenses because I have my traditional lens I grew up with. And then it's just, it's a beautiful tapestry of more. Continues. Then you will know for sure what the Great Spirit wants for you. Things that are good that make the heart glad and that help you to walk the path of becoming a mature and true human being. We forget the humanity of Christ is in us. We forget Jesus was human and is human. We forget. He's called us to live from the truest form of our humanity, which is the oneness, the union with Christ. That is our destiny. 1 Peter 1.3 So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Christ is revealed to the world. So we're talking about diligently guarding our thoughts. The previous one says we, we change from the, our mind being changed. Um, here, it's prepare your minds. This is like an action plan. This is like Wait a minute, uh, it just doesn't come to me, uh, God's just going to go, you know, boom, and does that? There's some intention that has to happen here. If you're not intentional about this, it's not going to happen. New American Standard Bible says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be 
brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Fix your hope completely on the grace. Grace has a name. Grace is a person. It's Jesus. Jesus is grace. First Peter 1.3 from the Passion Translation says, so then prepare your hearts and minds for action. Do you get, are you getting the prepare part? Like the action, there's something to do here. <laughs> prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to do sometimes. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. Wow. Mirror translation. Fully engage your minds with the consequence of his grace. (laughs) I love that. In the revelation of Jesus Christ, he completes your every expectation. Isn't that beautiful? The word Daniel suggests deep contemplation, thinking something thoroughly through in order to reach a sober conclusion. This is intentionally serious. You seriously want to grow? First Nations translation, love this. In light of all this, oh, by the way, I, uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll just read it, you'll see. In light of all this, stand ready in your mind to face what is ahead. Think clearly and set all your hope on the gift of great kindness that will be yours when creator sets free, Jesus, the chosen one is revealed. Because you are the children of the great spirit. Follow all his instructions. Do not walk with a bad heart as you did in the past when you did not know the things you now know. That's important. Don't get mad at people for not knowing what they don't know. Religious people do that all the time. They argue, try to be right, more right, try not to be wrong, and... uh, stupid bickering, but realize if somebody doesn't know, they can't know. If they don't have a revelation of Jesus Christ, you may not be the one. In fact, you aren't the one that's going to be that revelation. There's only one who gives that revelation. Who is it? The Holy Spirit. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not clever enough. You have no idea what that person is going through and has gone through and all the messaging they've gotten their entire life of their upbringing to know exactly the right thing to say. Just be love. I love that. It continues. Walk in a sacred manner in everything you do. For you were called away from your old life by the Holy One, oh my goodness, who walks ahead of you on a sacred path. For it is written in our sacred teachings, be holy, for I am holy. I remember growing up and going to a camp, and I had to read a book called The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. And I loved that book, and I, I ate it up, and I stayed at camp, and my whole spiritual life took a, a, a wild turn. That's weird for a teenager, but it did. And I, uh, I, I didn't realize, though, I'd been reading and trying to do everything I was learning so that I could, listen to this, become holy. (laughs) You know what the problem was? I already was. I just didn't know it. And so here I'm trying to become. It's like, 
who was it? Uh, Watchman Nee said, oh, to try and enter a room, you're already in. <laughs> that's, that's what it's like. I thought that was pretty profound. Ephesians 6.14 it says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. New Living Translation. Ephesians, okay, I'll back up for a second. So this First Nations the, uh, translation I'm going to read, I wanted to include the whole idea of the armor of God. <clears throat> because that was one of those things I learned at camp and church. <clears throat> it was the stuff I had to do. You know, we had to role play, you know, put on the belt of truth, and a couple of the guys made fun of, how oh, you try to tighten it up, and all, just all, all this weird stuff, and the breastplate of righteousness, and the helmet of truth, and sword of the spirit, and um, breastplate of righteousness, and feet fitted ready, and all that stuff. And so I, I had it all figured out, and that's how we were supposed to start our morning, and, and put on the armor of God every morning, ha, ha, ha. But the problem was, it's not a putting on. And it took me a long time. I've been, I've been a pastor for 32 years now. But it wasn't until halfway through that I realized the armor of God is just a declaration of your identity. That's all it is. It's nothing to put on because it's already on and in you. It's the awareness of its presence. That's what's the key here. I love it. So I'm going to read the whole thing from First Nations because they do a really good job of this. Once you are fully dressed for this war, you'll be able to stand your ground in this day of the enemy's evil rule. You are now ready to make your stand. So stand strong. Wrap the sash of truth around your waist. Cover your heart with the breastplate of making wrongs right again. Put on your feet the moccasins of creator's peace treaty. So you will always be ready to tell the good story as you walk the road of life. I love that. Then you must raise high the shield of trusting in creator. This shield will put out the flaming arrows of the evil one. Do not forget to put on the headdress of creator's power to rescue and set free and use the long knife of the spirit, which is the word of creator coming from your mouth. All of this is done by prayer. Sending your voice to the great spirit, asking him for all that is needed. As you pray, with the help of the Spirit, stay alert and keep all of Creator's holy people in your thoughts praying for their needs. This is something to meditate on this week. This is pure gold. And this idea of the Word, the Word is not the Bible. Surprise. The Word of God is not the Bible. The Word of God, capital W, is Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. I like how uh, Brad Jerzak said it. You know, the Word of God is infallible, without error, um, inspired, and when he turned 18, he grew a beard. That's where he infallible is. Not the written pages. Sorry. Some people worship the book instead of Jesus. And it's, they don't even know it. 
Philippians 4, 8, 9. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. What you realized, that means you actually were teachable and caught something. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. So who's the source of all this work and effort? Not you. Jesus. You can choose what you think and dwell on. You can't always choose what pops in your mind. It's called an inside voice. (laughs) Some people don't have a filter. But we don't choose what comes into our mind, but it's about what we do with those thoughts that come into our minds. Take every thought captive. Be diligent with your thoughts. I'm not perfect at this by any means. But sometimes you catch a vibe of, something, uh, either a show or a song or the news, and it's like, I gotta turn this off. It's, it's making me, ugh, just yuck. Social media, turn it off once in a while. Guard your thoughts. Second Corinthians 10.5, every lofty idea and argument positioned against the knowledge of God is cast down and exposed to a mere invention of our own imagination. We arrest every thought that could possibly trigger an opposing threat to our redeemed identity and innocence at spear point. So when a thought comes, I'm no good. I'm not good enough. I'm ugly. I am shameful. I'm embarrassed. This is where you stop for a minute at the front door and say, Is this actually true? No, it's not. Then don't let it in for percolating. Don't let it, you don't let it run through your house. You don't let an animal come in just keeping your doors all open all the time. It doesn't go well. I've seen enough YouTube videos. (laughs) Yeah. Guard it. Your concept of God. If a thought comes... Sometimes we'll get a feeling of something's really true about that thought, but my background doesn't agree with that. But something tells me it's right. And I look back over my many years, even when I was a youth in, in a Pentecostal church, they were talking about hell and something was not sitting right. But you had to go along with all of it and I didn't know any better. <clears throat> but I questioned it. But I had no room, I had no permission to challenge it. <coughs> it wasn't until probably five to ten years ago, I got to question it all, (laughs) and I'm not done. There's a more hope-filled perspective, and my gut told me, spirit told me, something wasn't quite right, or something else was really right, even though I didn't understand it. In fact, Bruce Walkup, uh, if you've seen the video on my YouTube channel called What is the Gospel?, he does a brilliant job of explaining why I was having a hard time understanding this message of wider, deeper, further grace that's hard to explain. 
And in my mind, I thought there was a wall up. I knew I'd been hearing from other teachers this consistent message. But I, something was, I didn't want to believe it just because I respected the teachers, because I got accused of that all the time. You're just believing what your mentors tell you. No, I'm not. I think things through. I can't share anything here I, can't, uh, I don't believe. Everything's authentic. And so I thought this wall was up in front of me. And as I listened to Bruce, it hit. Like, oh, there is no wall up in front of me. I'm actually in the wall, the Western wall of thinking, all that I've been conditioned to believe and had no idea how conditioned I was. And that just opened a can of worms, and I lost it. I wept and wept and raced through the whole series and listened and listened and listened, re-listened, re-listened. I could not get enough, and I still share that series. It starts in our mind, and the Holy Spirit's big enough to get your attention when the time is right. Try not to help the Holy Spirit out by trying to understand it all. It doesn't work. <laughs> I found out. It's like the Holy Spirit said to me at one point, so, how's it going? I'm trying to figure all that out because I've been struggling for almost a year calling teachers and leaders and trying to figure this stuff out. The Holy Spirit said, so, how's it going, eh? He's, he says, eh, he's Canadian. <laughs> and it was clear as day in my mind, stop trying. I will reveal to you when the time's right because you have stuff that's got to be sorted first and what I want to put in doesn't fit right now. It's like, what? I had to declutter. God was decluttering me. <laughs> and boom, within months, I had answers to stuff I could never have figured out. It was a big lesson to learn, to trust the Holy Spirit. I think we're done. Yeah, yeah, oh my goodness. <sighs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Guess what's happening next week? <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may your grace inspire and invigorate us. Remind us at those moments that we forget who we are, when we're so distracted with things that we become unloving in our tone and action, remind us and inspire us of who we are so we represent your love more and more and better and better. And for those prayer requests, Father, I pray for Paula in Utah her family and all that she's going through. May your grace be present and experienced. For John, Crotty, and Connie, I pray for them on this journey. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. For those that are part of the Hope Fellowship family locally, I pray that you speak and heal those who are in need in a very special way. Pray this in Jesus' name.